0: Talking New Energy, a podcast from LCP Delta, the New Energy Experts. In the podcast, we'll be exploring how the energy transition is unfolding across Europe through conversations with guests from the leading edge of the transition. Hello, and welcome to the episode. Today, I'm talking with one of the guests who joined us in an earlier series again, Today it's Nick Woolley, who's Chief Executive and Founder of EV.energy. Hello, Nick. Hi, John. Great to be here. And welcome back. Now you last joined us in 2020. Um a couple two and a half years or so have gone by since we last spoke. So I'm really interested to talk with you and hear about how ev.energy has been doing, whether your vision or plans have changed at all, and reflect a bit looking back on where you've got to what's been hard, what's been easy, what surprised you, and look forward of course as we always do to, to where you're going. That'd be great. Um, so Nick, let's start with a quick elevator pitch for EV.energy for listeners that might not know you, although you're becoming more and more well known. So hopefully those numbers are dwindling. Yeah, sure. Happy to
1: introduce EV Energy. So um, so EV Energy, we're a we're a software platform. Uh, that manages electric vehicle charging um, the mission behind the company is um, we want to get every electric vehicle owner that, um, or every, every driver that transitions across into an electric vehicle uh, to deliver a really simple, straightforward charging experience that's backed by as much green and cheap energy um, as possible. Um, we believe our, our, our vision is really that everything needs to electrify to get it, get us on that route to decarbonisation. And um, the great thing is transport is electrifying uh, really, really, really fast. And uh, we're playing a role providing a charging service that enables customers to recharge their electric vehicle at home and outside the home uh, using uh, the best energy from the grid. So instead of energy, uh, instead of electric vehicles, and um, being a strain on the electricity grid they actually become an asset to the grid that we can use to integrate more renewable energy into the grid and
0: decarbonize the energy grid even faster let's put some metrics around your journey so when did you start
1: so yeah so we've been going for about four and a half years now so 2018 was when we middle of 2018 was okay. when we were founded
0: um, and describing your size today, employees, number of customers on your platform, number of utilities you're working with, any of those? Yeah,
1: so we're, we're about 65 people at the moment on the inside the company. In terms of the number of um, utilities that we're working with, uh, there's about 30 that we're just about to kick off or already working with across the globe, 30 energy companies and, and a further 12. Um, Charger manufacturers and installers and distributors where we put our software alongside their charging infrastructure and then we ship an EV energy service out to those uh, to those drivers Um the big I guess the big metric that we always think about John is is around the numbers of drivers on the platform um, so yep. we're approaching around 100,000 uh, registered drivers um, on the EV energy platform across multiple markets we are a UK company very proud to be a UK company and think in the energy system, it's actually a bit of a competitive advantage being the UK market is, is relatively advanced. Um, yeah. It's not often a competitive advantage to be a UK company, but in this instance, <laughs> it is. Um, and yeah. um, we're working in the So UK started, but we're working in the US um, with a lot of energy companies as well. We're also working in, in Germany with some uh, big energy companies like Eon and, and Volkswagen Group as well. Uh, and also as far away as uh, australia
0: too um so s- scheduling your calls with the u.s with europe and australia must be a bit of a challenge yes
1: uh, it, it is a yeah it is a challenge uh, the, U- the u.s is 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 not so bad um yeah uh, and i think post covid it's slightly easier because you are well you're generally at home so you know working into the early yeah. evening is not too bad the worst the worst time zone not to call them out as <laughs> work with, but like the worst time zone is Australia because it is just yeah. diametrically opposed. To there's, like, just
0: no yeah, good, yeah, there's no good. There isn't a yeah. good time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's look back on the journey to date. Uh, four and a half years. The grow where you've got to today is hugely impressive in terms of customers, number of drivers on your platform, geographies you're in. Um, what are you? So two things I'd like to ask you: what are you proudest about in that, and maybe related, what's been harder than you thought? So start with proudest. What's what's achievements give you the most satisfaction, or what are you proudest by?
1: Yeah, so it's a great question. Like, um, I think growing a company. Um, what's what we're what I'm really proud of is growing a company that's now scaled up from sort of an idea that was just a couple of people's idea um, myself and my co-founder chris's idea into like a company of 65 people and it's really heartening to see when those people within the company are just executing things and bringing things forward uh without
0: that, that i know nothing about <laughs> uh, so to begin with, you were driving everything. <laughs> yes. It was all you and your partner. And now it's, yeah, and now it's created now a, those... a snowball rolling downhill, building momentum. And I think, you know, if I didn't
1: come to work tomorrow, the business would still continue to execute. I'm not saying I'm completely yeah. irrelevant to the business. You're not, re- like, not redundant yet. <laughs> but like, it is amazing to see. And it's amazing. Um, and we are, I'm just really, it's just, a real privilege to come to work and work with all of those uh people around me because they're so passionate and enthusiastic about the mission and the vision that we're trying to deliver together and we're all just pushing in that in that same direction. I think so that's that's about building the company. I think the other thing that I'm really I, I guess what maybe proud and also slightly unexpected just being very open. Like I think mm. on the we've you mentioned about the energy companies we're working with. Actually a lot of those energy companies are Based in the United States, and so I think one of the things that has gone a lot faster than we expected was our pace of international expansion. Um, hmm. I think when we started, we um, when we started the business, we were looking at some of the reference companies that existed in the sector, probably some of the hardware companies that exist. So like. Um, Obviously, charging hardware existed a long time before charging software, and there were companies like Podpoint, Chargepoint, et cetera, who were, I guess, big companies within, but they had often got big within their local market, and there was often a different leader in each of the different local markets. So it seemed quite hard to sort of traverse the international boundaries and and scale. And I think maybe because we're software, we realized pretty early on that you could just sell software in multiple different international markets It's actually it is like you said about the phone calls it is actually possible to do business um with australia with the us and deploy your software in australia and the us and um and if
0: you're a hardware company that would you'd have so many more challenges yes. to exporting that yes. yeah, licenses etc and
1: so we have scaled internationally. I think you know my original approach to this. I think na- naive approach, perhaps, was well. I was thinking, well, we're a UK company. We'll grow our business in the UK, and then we'll we'll get to a certain scale, and then at some point, we'll say, oh, we need to now expand mm. into multiple international markets. But we sort mm. of started, and then pretty quickly went in- international. Um,
0: um, and did that? Did people come from the US come to you, or was it a little bit of marketing that actually? Got some really good leads or a bit of both. So I think, I mean,
1: I think it was slightly lucky. We got into an accelerator called the Free Electrons Accelerator. um, Mm. And that was a global accelerator full of a bunch of energy companies. And through that, we went sort of traveling around um, the globe. We started in Dublin, then we went to Ohio, then we went to Hong Kong. And we we talked with all of these different energy companies um, from all over the world about our software. And we realized... Great. Our software is actually really, really important and resonating with these energy companies. But then they also were very willing to do business with us, which was amazing. Huh.
0: And but you you make your own luck, I guess, Nick. You got onto that accelerator, but you make your own luck. Yeah. And I suppose I guess I guess that gave us the confidence to then build
1: from uh, build from that accelerator and say, OK, maybe we should look at the U.S. There's a, there's a lot of energy companies in the U.S. There's about 150 that serve over 100 thousand residential customers a big long list of energy utilities and we've got a bit of traction there maybe we should actually start and do that properly and yeah just commit to it and, and go and yeah yeah we did and then i guess we've
0: scaled to where we are today what about challenges and unexpected challenges um what when you look back what's been harder than you thought or what challenges are cropped up that you didn't anticipate
1: yeah so i guess as a as a startup founder i don't know if every startup founder, i don't know if you're like this john but like i'm i'm quite optimistic about uh timelines Mm. and what we deliver and um all of those good things and i think uh (laughs) one of the the perennial challenge is like everything just takes longer than you think (laughs) so whether that's like building um building like a component on the platform or selling to a um, selling to a new customer and then running an RFP process that then says that it's going to end on like the 5th of December and then runs for the next three months and you don't really...
0: Or it does end, but then you have three months of contract yes. discussions. Oh, yeah, exactly, three yeah. months of contract yeah. discussions. And,
1: and so I think as a founder, you have to be very optimistic and you have to keep pushing that kind of Vision forward, and you have to keep the faith. Really, that that things will be okay, and you can and you can get through those things. But it does just take longer than you think, and that means, especially working, I, I guess, especially working in this space, which it'd be great to get your thoughts on. But we're working with energy companies and in the market mm. with big energy utilities that have been around for sometimes like decades um, or maybe even longer, and uh, they tend to, yeah, just
0: move a little bit slower. Well, I remember talking once to a Canadian utility and talking to one person there and asking, well, how long have you been at the company? And he said, oh, I'm a newbie. I've been here 10 years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so not that slightly different from what you're talking about, but similar, I think, in terms of the speed that energy companies move at. I think many are now learning to move at a faster speed. but inherently they're quite rightly being relatively conservative yes. companies moving it's finding making small numbers of big decisions that they de-risk to the hilt and take their time over. And in the new energy world, making large numbers small decisions with lots of uncertainty yes. is tough. It's not not in their DNA or their culture. Yes.
1: And I, I think that's what we perhaps can bring to them as well. And I, I guess that Talking back at the free electrons accelerator, that was one of the, the reasons we were trying to connect startups with this fast moving culture yeah. with the utility that's perhaps typically a little bit slower moving.
0: Um, have you have you been caught by the phrase death by pilots? Because that's cropped up a lot of times in my discussions with with the industry, that the easiest thing for a utility or energy retailer to do or DSO is, oh, yeah, we'll pilot it and then what happens next can take what well, nothing might happen or you can spend all your time in pilots so has that been a challenge for you how many of those hundred thousand customers you talked about would you say are pilots or have you managed to avoid that trap of death by pilot
1: um we i think the way the energy companies like to approach things is they often like to do a pilot first and then they like to yeah. move on to like A bigger program that may be capped in some way and then they'll move on to us like so it's very iterative along um along the journey i think maybe we're slightly lucky again in so much the ev markets the timing for our solution within the ev market is i think quite good because evs are growing in in pretty much all developed markets they're growing at growth rates of 30 to 50 percent per annum somewhere of that order of magnitude and i think what that's creating is that's creating before like maybe a couple of years ago uterus was like oh yeah we can see all these evs coming and they we might need to deliver some services to them now it's like there's a pressure building and you can you can feel this pressure and we can see this pressure in the news um relating to the energy crisis that's going on in in ukraine and the fact that National grids are running a demand flexibility service this this winter to avoid blackouts, and EVs could be part of the solution to help provide services so, to the to the energy grid.
0: So I think that your time, yeah, you're lucky with your timing, aren't you? Because if you'd been a few years earlier, you might have had lots of we pilots. would have pilots, and then it'd
1: be difficult to move them on. But there's yeah. there's
0: now. I think you know, people have to jump to solutions quite quickly because they can see how fast the market is. They can see thing. it. And they yeah. can. And I think, you know, nobody.
1: One of the good things about where I guess what we're pitching is sometimes with a startup, I guess you have to pitch and you have to say the market looks like this and it's going to grow like this. Nobody disputes the market for electric vehicles is going to grow. Everybody I pitch to, whether it's a utility, whether it's an investor, where everybody agrees that the market is going yep. to transfer and it's only a matter of time. And so there isn't really a utility in the world that doesn't have a head of mobility that isn't thinking about how
0: they yeah. can build out and, and deploy solutions like EV Energy.: And every, everyone knows that they ha- that the more you can influence the timing of people charging, the better value for your customers, the better value the more value for the energy system. Yes. So um, then it's a choice of how and who, I guess.. Yes. So are you, you just used the word platform" a few times in your introduction? Um, in terms of how you think about or try and position ev.energy you think of yourself as a platform business with two sets of customers is is that that how you articulate
1: it yes um we i feel very strongly so what what we're doing is we're managing electric vehicle charging so we're we're turning off and on and ramping up and ramping down and then in the future vehicles grid will mean exporting and importing yeah. energy into an electric vehicle but to do that we need to work with an, a driver so that's that's a person like you or I John and we have requirements which mean we need to they basically the basic requirement is I need to then use the car at a point in time uh to go and make a trip somewhere um and so we We need to, as EV Energy, have to have a conversation with that driver to enable our service. And we need to have a good conversation with that driver so that um, they build trust in EV Energy to control and manage charging and get them ready for the time at which they need to drive their car. So that's one side of the platform. And then on the other side of the platform, we're working with the energy companies because what we're doing is we're taking each of those individual drivers and we're aggregating them up into a into a fleet of um, uh, into a fleet of electric vehicles that then the energy companies can use to control and manage um, electric vehicle charging
0: and so, so you've got this this two-sided business model or platform business model looking in two directions that's two quite different skill sets plus the software skills set to build this. So you've got to know the energy system, you've got to build your platform, have all the software skills around that, and you've got to create something that's compelling for customers. Out of the three of those, this is maybe an unfair question, but I'll ask it. How would you rank those in terms of what's hardest to achieve or which are the hardest skills or where your real USB stands out? Um. I you can tell me it's an unfair question if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I don't think it's an unfair question. I think it's a reasonable question. Um I think the which is hardest. So when I think about um our the reason we're doing that, the reason that we're working with the drivers and then uh building that into the energy system, we want to unlock the flexibility um for the for the energy partners that we're working with. That's that I, I'll talk about why I think that's hard, and then I'll come back to why I think it's hard to work with the with the drivers, and then the middle part was I think the the connection to, to various devices as well, which is also quite hard. Yeah, I yeah. think the, the the trickiness of the energy companies is regulations vary in every single world every single world every single region um so when you're working in the u.s there's like lots of different energy markets within the u.s that all have different rules and regulations and the other thing is that they haven't created those rules and regulations for electric vehicles yet so they're building all of those yeah it's dynamic it's all dynamic and we know what the direction of travel is but we have to influence and push them that way and then the and then we have to get the energy companies on board and 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 then and then work with them and collaborate with them to deliver that. So that requires quite yeah. a lot of technical, uh heavy work to build those partnerships with the regulator the regulators and then also the utilities to enable that to happen. Yeah. And I think, you know, when I look at our internal structure as a company, I mean I'm I, I used to work in the utility industry, so so we have quite a lot of expertise understanding those energy markets. And we understand the difference between a regulated energy market in the US versus a fully competitive one in the UK yeah. and, and all of those things. Yeah. On the other, on the other yeah. side, I think coming back to this idea that, you know, when I think about drivers, coming back to this idea of working with, um, working in the UK market and why that might be an advantage. Actually, one of the advantages is the UK market thinks quite a lot about the customer, actually, because it's a fully competitive market. And so us having... Uh, having to think about the the end user of those services is actually quite a typical mindset within the UK market, and it is really really hard. And that's why we have invested um, we have invested in like a customer success team that talks with our customers on a regular basis. We've invested in uh, product and engineering that build our app, and you can download the EV Energy app for free, and we can get lots of users on that app, so we can learn. What it takes to uh, engage with those type, with different drivers, and learn the different types of drivers, and learn what their wants, needs, and fears are, so that we can use those, work with those drivers effectively when we go to back to the energy company. Um, And then the middle bit is hard as well, like connecting to all the IoT devices. Um, Yeah. There are many and varied IoT devices, um, so like there's lots of different chargers coming onto the market. I get contacted on a frequent basis by a new manufacturer that's cropping up in in a, a new market that might want that might take a leadership position in um, a new European uh, market or the US market, um, and so keeping on top of all of those different integrations is, is is really really tough too. But I think what this all means together. Is because it's so fragmented, the energy side is really fragmented, the charger and, and hardware side is really fragmented, and then learning how to engage in delight drivers is is really, really challenging. There needs to be a platform that can manage that stuff.
0: Yeah. Um so my my guess, Nick, would be the energy system part, the regulations, the market structures influencing those. That's a lot of work to go through all of those, but there's probably enough people that understand that, and that's understandable. And a case of working through it the and i see other companies doing i don't think that's unique to ev energy i think a lot of companies are doing yes. that um the the two bits that feel to me like the most unique are creating that compelling customer proposition which i think the energy sector doesn't do particularly well even in the uk where it's more customer centric it still has challenges. Yes. Um, and that bit in the middle, around the plethora of standards of different devices to connect yes. to. Um, so my take on what you've said would be, I'd put the custom proposition part and the IoT part in the middle, as probably that would be my guess as your biggest as the biggest challenges for you.
1: Yes, I think I think I think that's fair. I mean, I I do think they're all challenging, but I think that they're all hard. Certainly, yeah. with <laughs> the thing we get feedback from some of the utility partners that we're working with and they say, we really like EV energy because of the way you understand customers and have engaged with customers and you've got a track record of doing this. And they also like working with one software vendor to access a variety of devices, which is the value of the platform as opposed to a utility just wanting to install one charger because they they won't want to do that because they have a mix of chargers regardless of whether they just decide to sell it. yeah and they have a mix of charges already within their service yeah. territory and they
0: want a platform that can just provide one universal interface um so if, thinking of platform businesses if about deliver food delivery there's in the uk there's a handful uber just eat Deliveroo would be the the three ones and the theory of platform businesses is there's a handful of platforms that dominate you don't end up with 10 or 15 you end up with just a few do you think it's going to go that way in the char- ev charging world smart charging world
1: i think what's happening in terms of the market now is there's there's a there's a split emerging between um hardware and um, there was h- historically a hardware plus software play which is a you install a charger with some software associated with it. Um, And now what's happening is that hardware layer is being separated from the software layer. And the reason that's being separated is because on the hardware side of things, everything's fragmenting really, really uh, quite a lot. Mm. Um, And so there's lots and lots of different devices and therefore it makes sense to have a single or not a single, actually, we will never be a single platform. It makes sense to have a, Uh, Small number that can aggregate over a variety of different hardware devices, much in the same way as your examples. It makes sense for like there there to be a single customer interface but Just Eat to interface with lots of different takeaway establishments. Yeah,
0: but I guess that thinking of Apple as an example, you could end up with a company like Tesla building a walled garden Uh, approach for its ecosystem. I I certainly think
1: so. So, but the question, I guess, the question that I'm always thinking about is like. Well, how many apples could you have within the EV industry? I mm. think there are possibly quite a few companies today who are maybe making that vertically integrated approach and and saying, yep. well, we're we're the apple, we're the apple, we're the apple. The,
0: I think if you look at that, because a few of them have got the brand strength, a few of them have got really what yeah. a number of them have got very powerful yes. brands, and, and maybe brand.
1: maybe what maybe we won't have a single global apple. We'll have like a maybe a, a, an even. a a local market Apple there might be one that dominates in the Mm. UK market versus one that dominates in the US market. But I I don't know whether you can have um, 10 different Apples, which is kind of where we are right now with the the vertically integrated approach. And um, I think inevitably that will consolidate with a, a platform that is able to, or several platforms that are able to provide a service that will then Consolidate access to a variety of devices back into the energy system, and and and, yeah. and uh, simplify all that complexity and regulations and rules and laws now around smart charging and other connectivity into the energy markets.
0: So, Nick, time's getting the better of us. We better we we are looking forward in the discussion already, but I'll I'll bring out the talking new energy crystal ball now. So. Just looking up the last conversation we had back in 2020, I asked you then for um, in 2025 the percentage of homes that will be smart charging, and your answer then was we should be aiming for 80 to 90 percent. So whether we had 80 or 90 percent, but the vast majority should be smart charging in 2025. There's a geographical element to that question as well, which market we're talking about. Um, I'm interested in looking forward another five years 2027 yeah. let's look at that same that stat again see if your use have changed at all and also maybe the how you see ev energy in in five years um what your aspiration is i think we could probably deduce a lot of that from the discussion so far but interested in how you articulate that and looking forward the biggest challenge you think and get if you had to isolate one challenge the biggest challenge in getting there
1: yeah um well i was thinking so we spoke uh two and a half years ago so the big there's a couple of i think there's a couple of big changes that have happened since that conversation so one of them is the energy crisis that's ongoing right now yeah um which has put pressure on energy security on hopefully our transition towards uh, renewable energy and also pressure on energy costs obviously um and the other one has been around there's been some regulations that have changed so like there's there's there's, there's a new law now called the smart charging regulation so i mean maybe um on that latter point just heading off the question of the 80 to 90 percent smart charging. yeah i think well, the, the law says now everybody has to install the smart charger, and that charger has to be connected to the grid and responding in real time to signals on the grid. And so I would be very surprised, given the majority of the volume is still ahead of us in terms of, of, of chargers, where we should have 100%. It is now against the law not to, to, to install the smart charger. Instantly. I
0: guess- They'll be smart enabled. Whether people use them smartly is a, a sub question. Yes, and I think that, that
1: that is there is pressure on us to make it super simple and straightforward so that it just yep. works every single day. And but the starting point is smart, hundred percent smart enabled, Um and then yeah, probably similar um, um similar levels, if not higher, of um, uh, uh, of of smart charging. But I think what the energy crisis has done um is interesting because I think that's. It's re accelerated the, uh, the growth in um, people thinking about how they can save money on energy. And I think that's reaccelerated the yeah. growth in other uh, distributed energy devices like solar.
0: And so, one of the things I think it's, we... a, it's a terrible thing, but it's a huge opportunity for the energy transition and yeah. uh, for people offering solutions to people to take more, uh, be more empowered about how they use, generate, manage their yeah, energy. I, I
1: completely agree. I think it is. It is actually a massive opportunity. If we
0: decarbonize
1: yeah. and install more renewable energy in across the world, that will actually help with energy security, it will help with energy costs, um, and yeah. it will enable us to decarbonize faster. I mean, what's not to like? It's actually a really good uh, a a good story. And I think on an individual level, it's driven a lot of solar, and then coming back to EVs and what we do at EV Energy, we have huge demand now for. Um, solar smart charging which is enabling you to recharge your car and put sunshine into the into your solar panels and then into your vehicle and people really love that because then yeah. you get 100 free energy flowing into your ev and um
0: just em- emotionally that feels good emotionally it? it feels good but it also feels yeah. pretty good
1: for financially as well <laughs> yeah. so yes yeah. there is a big uh, Im- emotional uh, angle to it so i think yeah. perhaps what's changed since we last spoke is i would expect more of that which is uh, in the next mm. five years, which would be um, which would be really, really great. Uh, in terms of where we'd like to get to, I was looking at, um, I mean, smart charging as a whole, I think if we were to have a conversation in five years time, I would um, be surprised. I don't know whether it'll be EV Energy or a- another smart charging platform, but I'd be surprised if the virtual power plant, the collective virtual power plant of all of the electric vehicles on the grid in five years' time wasn't the biggest power plant on the grid in five years' time. I think mm, we're probably nice exceeding think about the size of um, Hinkley Point C in five years, which would be a, a really
0: brilliant achievement.
1: Um, and really...
0: Which, for, for for non-UK listeners, that's a new nuclear power plant that's being developed in the UK. Yeah. So.
1: But I think I mean I think it possibly will be the case in in, in most Western nations as well. So um yeah. that will be that'll be a monumental achievement that'll help us to decarbonize
0: um really, really uh, quickly. Uh, and big biggest challenge. So you're either from the sector, the smart charging sector, or maybe more interested in, in your challenge, Nick, at EV energy, in terms of driving EV energy forward to become one of the leading platforms in this space i think one of the, what, what's your biggest challenge doing that yeah so
1: i think from a growing a startup perspective one of the
0: biggest challenges i'm personally
1: thinking through at the moment is how i mentioned about we've done quite a bit internationally um hmm. but really what we need to do now is do that further internationally we haven't got a big presence in france in germany in, in charges, we haven't got as big a presence so we need to we need to do it there's a lot of scaling of a company and growing a company ahead of us um, and internationalization and market expansion that um, will be challenging because we will then have teams in multiple different locations and growing yeah. and managing those teams in multiple different locations will uh, stretch us as a company but be very very exciting um, but but yeah. really stretch us uh, as a company i think more generally and more broadly the biggest challenge some of the challenges that we've got ahead not maybe not the biggest challenge but we're talking a lot about electric vehicles that's where we're very passionate and very excited but I am conscious this is only like one part of the decarbonization puzzle and we need to then move on to other uh, other parts of it like heat and so there are huge challenges that we need to overcome as a society if we to enable us to get to that fully
0: zero carbon uh, future that we all want do you think your platform might do heat one day as well as evs can you see that or do you think it needs that specialism and as far as you can see it will be evs
1: i mean there are some commonalities clearly like the interfacing with the energy markets understanding tariffs understanding what's going on in the rules and regulations there are some similarities there i think the bit that's different though is the interface with the customer i often say um i don't know how often people think about putting their heating on at the same time as charging their ev they're totally different things because you think about charging your ev to go to the shops or to go and pick up the kids whereas you think about putting your heating on when you sat like i am today and you're like oh it's a bit cold i need to put my heating on yeah
0: um
1: and i think also heat as well keeping our houses warm then then maybe there's different levels of flexibility within that in terms of you need to be careful. we all want heat when we want heat and we need to keep houses yeah. warm and that's a slightly different problem to getting your electric vehicle uh, ready for when you need it. Definitely commonalities. So that, never say never,
0: but, um, yeah, it sounds like a, me- like a maybe, but not <laughs> a, yeah. <laughs> um, Nick, there's loads more I'd love to have talked, uh, through with you today, but that's been a fascinating discussion. And, um, it's very inspiring to hear about your journey, uh, having started four and a half years ago, um, the the way you have scaled the business both in terms of size number of drivers on the platform but internationally as well so um, hugely impressive and uh, perfect timing I guess to continue growing it into the years ahead
1: yeah hopefully it will be fun so, it's certainly been a roller coaster ride and a lot of fun and yeah there's lots of work to do but there's a lot of opportunity as well which is great
0: Well, best of luck, and I'm sure it'd be great to talk again, whether it's in two and a half years or a bit longer or shorter, we'll see uh, and hear how you've been doing. Thank you very much. So thanks, Nick. Thanks, as always, to everyone listening. We hope you've enjoyed hearing about Nick and his journey with EV Energy and perspectives on the smart charging world, and look forward to welcoming you back to the next episode next week. Thanks and goodbye. If you enjoy the podcast, then please rate it and share it with your friends and colleagues. If you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then you can keep in touch with us and look at our research insights, podcast transcripts and download reports all at www.lcpdelta.com.